Are you currently in college or recently graduated but kind of struggling to figure out how to approach your post-grad life? If so, then I have the perfect guide for you, which I created for my college self in mind. That is the Everyday Girl's Guide to Career Success ebook, which features a holistic approach to all things starting out in your career during and after college, from cultivating the right mindset, building your resume, maximizing your LinkedIn profile and network, and so much more. I take you through a personal step-by-step guide on how to prepare for all areas needed when searching for a job. And these were actually many steps that I personally did between my sophomore and senior year of college, as well as the first year out of college. So I always highly recommend to start early to create opportunities for yourself. In this ebook guide, you will find cover letter tips and custom templates available for download, resume building steps with three custom templates, LinkedIn tools, and step-by-step guide on maximizing your profile, top 20 behavioral interview questions, and a lot more. Again, you can find this online at whatfulfillsyou.com. Just make sure when you click shop, just go to all products and you will find the ebook there, or just go to the show notes and it will be linked. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the What Fulfills You podcast. My name is Emily Elizabeth. I'm your host. As you can tell from the title, it is related to my birthday as I did recently turn 26, which is crazy to think about because I feel like I'm just not used to saying, you know, 26. I mean, again, I I think that's normal in most ages, right? But I feel like there's this anticipation from like 20 going into 21 and then from 21 to 25 in my experience it just feels pretty normal to be like yeah I'm 23 or yeah I'm 24 right but then as you get towards 25 and then 26 it kind of feels like wait a second I'm 26 you know what I mean Um, for those of you who are also over 25 you might understand that feeling as well it's just it hits different but when you're 25 and younger it it just feels like they all kind of merge together. But anyways, uh, for those of you who are curious, a quick recap on what I did for my birthday. Um, I will be honest, I kind of do micro celebrations and this has been something I've done probably over the past few years now where because I have friends in different cities and my birthday is like the very end of February, it's hard not to continue to celebrate into March. I mean, I know two years ago I actually was still celebrating like mid end of March for Miami Music Week because that's kind of like the best thing um, to do for my birthday at the time and 
I think even when I was turning 21, which, okay, most people would be like, yeah, obviously you're 21, you want to, you know, like definitely celebrate as much as possible. That one I remember, I, I was celebrating in like the middle of March in New York City. So yeah, I mean, I'll probably do a few other small, light micro celebrations with different close friends throughout the next few weeks, just to be <laughs> transparent. But in the past weekend, I just had awesome dinners with friends. My main uh, birthday dinner was Friday night, and it was really awesome because I had all my close friends there, and it was just a really good vibe, great energy, and then uh, fortunate enough to have them come with me to go see Cascade, who is one of my favorite DJs. He's certainly an OG and you know he's been around for many many years now and fun fact I actually share a birthday with Cascade and I saw him on my 21st birthday five years ago so that was really awesome but it was yeah coincidental that he happened to be in New York at the same time so Friday night the 24th we went out and then my birthday was at midnight and then on Saturday I had a friend come visit from DC did a very relaxed weekend the rest of the the time. So, you know, dinner and a little bit of going out still. Uh, went to the museum on Sunday, got coffee at Ralph's Coffee on the Upper East Side. So just overall very wholesome. And again, I try to focus on spending quality time with people that are important to me and, uh, you know, mean a lot to me in life. And I think that's just the best thing I can ask for on my birthday is to be able to spend quality time with people that matter to me. And with that being said, I feel like that in particular really hits on the overall theme of some of the lessons or thoughts I share in this birthday episode. But the first one, which is around my framework in life, is that the quality of our relationships is directly correlated to the quality of our life. So this hasn't changed for me since the age of 15. I was definitely told this from a teacher back in the day in high school. He really honed down on just for us to consider, you know, do we get any happier if we think we can move to a new city and that changes, right? Or if we buy something, if that makes us marginally happier or more fulfilled. And that's honestly kind of, I think, where the the you know it was planted in my head uh, in terms of long-term happiness and fulfillment and he touched on how you know it doesn't matter where we go what we do but rather the people in our life because wherever we go we bring ourselves with and so sometimes you have to ask yourself am I doing anything that is causing maybe a drift in my connections and if so what can I do better how can I rebuild connections how can I maintain connections or maybe you don't have that kind of obstacle maybe it's not about having a current drift maybe it's more like okay um, I have good relationships but how can I make them better how can I spend more time with certain people things like that so for me I invest my energy and care into people that often do the same for me and that's definitely more so on the active relationships but for the ones that are newer, I don't go in with this expectation. You know, I want to add as a preface, I do think it can really harm you when you have high expectations or certain expectations of people, especially when it's not communicated. Um, but I think it's also different and separate from having your own standards and values of what you seek in quality friendships and quality connections. So it's really just finding the sweet spot between that. And for the ones that I do see, you know, mutual principles in having 
a good connection, then I nourish that relationship and I consider it just like watering a plant, you know? Uh, There's this analogy that I learned from a couples therapy or couples workshop business that I actually work with on my marketing agency and they really honed down on this analogy where just like plants, relationships are like that, where you might say I love you to your partner yesterday, but similar to a plant, just because you watered it yesterday doesn't mean you shouldn't water it today, right? So again, (laughs) according to the analogy, right, it just depends on the type of plant, how much sunlight it needs, how much water it needs, but um, I would, I reframe it in my mind where depending on the partner, some might need more consistent words of affirmation or a certain level of reassurance. Some might need more physical touch or some might need more gifts, whatever that watering the plant looks like. And so I consider that the same in my romantic relationships as well as my friendships and business connections, which is finding out what is going to help keep the connection fresh and afloat and I think for my friends and I it's a lot of times doing different activities or catching up over dinner and drinks because that's certainly a big part of the New York lifestyle and you know I'm not gonna lie I enjoy it as well and that's probably where most of my disposable income goes but I also signed up for that when I moved to New York so uh, that's really important to me and you know if your friends don't live in the same city then I definitely would take into consideration on how you can allocate time throughout the year to connect in person with these friends or maybe even doing a FaceTime once a month, whatever that looks like. Um, I can reflect on the end of 2022 where I took time to travel to meet with other really close friends and important people in my life that are not in New York. So that was in LA, Dallas, Nashville, And, you know, I didn't even go for a long time either. I probably went for like a weekend or three to four days. It can be really short, micro connections, micro moments. They really do help expand the relationship over time. And I think last thing I can say on that is just paying attention to who will ride or die for you. That's a big statement of mine that I use. I love the phrase like ride or die. These are just people that you know will show up for you and be there for you no matter what. Um, no expectations, no questions. You just know that these are the ones that will do that. And when you find those people, hold on to them because these are the ones that matter and will definitely be in your life for the long period and for the long haul. So definitely keep that in mind. And maybe if you're not sure who those people are in your life, reflect on it, write it down. And, you know, again, definitely make time to nourish that relationship or with the analogy, water the plant. The second lesson I wrote down is something I really honed down on in this most recent year. So I would say from the age of 25 to 26, this was uh, the big one for me, which is that the foundation of love is to understand. So I learned this through my practice and implementation of mindfulness after reading some books from Thich Nhat Hanh, who in my own interpretation basically brings meditation and mindful breathing and maybe some forms of Buddhism into Western culture, um, but primarily around mindfulness and kind of um, combining like meditation and compassion and understanding under one roof. And so other notes I have on this is that it also includes learning to understand 
someone's suffering. So this could be like understanding why someone else make human errors like us because we're all humans. We also mutually make mistakes. And if you don't understand or even attempt to understand, right? Sometimes I can think of myself where in past times I might have jumped to conclusions. I might have jumped to assumptions or even when someone was trying to have an open conversation with me, I might have went off on a riff in my own mind and then didn't even allow myself space to pause to understand from another person, not just from another person's perspective, but also just understand why and how this person could be feeling a certain way and how I can come in to really meet halfway again especially if I love this person whether it's as a friend or as a romantic partner and so according to the teachings of Tit Nhat Hanh he says if you don't understand you can't love and when we learn to love and understand ourselves so that's coming from like the self-love aspect and also have true compassion, then we can truly love and understand another person, which once again is something I heavily understood and applied in my most recent relationship, but also just definitely moving forward because depending on your temperament, mine especially um, is often a bit more direct and more maybe like solution-oriented, really like trying to find a solution to a problem and thinking that it's, I don't know, maybe in a way black and white, which kind of surprises me because I feel like in certain areas of my life, I don't have a black and white view or a a black and white approach, but it seems like, um, again, I'm just calling myself out, in my most recent relationship experience, I noticed in rereading some of the things that I wrote, in in, in analyzing kind of how I approached and uh, felt in certain times, I saw that I didn't give myself breathing room to reflect and most importantly, find space to be compassionate for the person, especially at a time that they really needed it. And I attribute this possibly because maybe sometimes I didn't necessarily receive that from uh, my upbringing. I think I also can be a little bit very like disciplined and rigid, which again is great in a professional sense or being an athlete, but something I uh, also had a takeaway in working with a psychologist is simply that you have to learn how to compartmentalize these different traits of who you are, right? So it's great that I'm disciplined and it's great that I can be focused and maybe a little hardcore in a certain way, right? But it's actually only primarily great in like let's say when I'm competing in figure skating. Whereas when I'm in a romantic relationship with someone that needs me more from a human emotional support standpoint, that discipline and and rigidness is not needed. So that's also um, maybe as a a tangent has been a um, big learning lesson for me. And I guess my method of really applying it into my life has been through my practice of mindfulness and learning how to give myself space to uh, check in with with myself and being like, okay, um, how do I want and need to show up in this time? And and I notice in times of of a, a interpersonal connection, 
that compassion and understanding and, and loving human being really, really needs to shine through. Whereas maybe in a competitive setting where I'm an athlete competing or maybe I'm a coach for someone that is seeking to be better and they need me as a coach, not as a, a friend or a mom or whatever, right? Um, in those times, that implementation of discipline um, is actually should shine out more so um, that could actually be something good for you guys to consider too is where are you really good at in your life like what are traits that are um, showing up in that area of your life that may not actually be healthy and or necessary in another part of your life at least again speaking from my experience that was a big aha moment for me and certainly a maturing process um and you know it sucks because i think that lack of awareness in in the times that i needed it um may have costed uh, certain you know valuable uh, connections but also you know i'm not shitting on myself for it because again I, i just didn't know any better at the time but um you know, I think it really sucks when you see certain things don't play out well or play out successfully primarily because of like lack of skill set at that time or at that period. Whereas, you know, I'll give an example when when a connection has a falling out because again, this could be in friends or romantic. Okay, so I'm not saying it as like a specific example, or I'm just saying it, it's somewhat easier when it's because of different principles or different values. Maybe it's like a romantic partner doesn't show up for you in a certain way that you really want and need a partner to show up for you in. Uh, And so simply you guys just have differing approaches and you can't find common ground, like that's different. Or maybe it's um, different personal visions, like one someone wants to have no children and another person wants to have children, right? Like, or maybe it's like a friend where it's like they constantly want to party and they constantly want to do a lot of these things and you are more like wanting a mix of both or maybe you prefer the opposite spectrum, which is like more quiet time, like one-on-one time, like hiking, like those things, right? So those are where it seems to be in my perspective. Uh, Those tend to be just like, okay, we're incompatible we don't naturally kind of mesh together whereas it sucks when like you do actually naturally mesh together with someone but uh, there seems to be lack of maturity from one party and or a little bit of both and sometimes just like a question of a matter of time whether people reconvene reconnect or maybe you know not at all i don't know so anyways um if you are interested in you know, learning more about mindfulness, implementing it into your life and finding some new philosophies and tools to help improve your approach and framework in life. I definitely recommend some of the teachings from Titnyat Han because like I said, it definitely had a big impact on me. One of my biggest priorities is ensuring that I optimize my health every single day to the best of my ability in all areas, including mentally, physically, and emotionally. That also includes what I am eating and drinking every day because we know that does affect our energy. And so I ensure that I'm intaking healthy nutrients with the drink Magic Mind. And it's something that I've actually been taking for over a year now. If you've been listening for a while, you know they've been a longtime sponsor. And what Magic Mind really is, it is a productivity shot with nootropics, adoptogens, and matcha. Also, if you are not aware, there's a lot of health benefits with adoptogens, which I won't get into, but just 
just trust me, look it up, do the research yourself, and you will see what the long-term effect is of intaking adoptogens and nootropics. So how I take this, I typically drink it in the morning, take a sip of it, and you know, to be honest, sometimes I drink two, which is technically what we're not supposed to do, but they did say it is okay for me to do so, but they do recommend just taking one per day. And after I drink this, about 30 minutes in, I start to feel really focused calm and especially in flow that's just the best way i could describe it and for those of you who also love coffee like me you can drink it alongside with your coffee or before afterwards it really doesn't matter so it doesn't mean that you have to cut out coffee or anything because for me i actually still drink both but magic mind is really kind of that healthy kick for me and i just know the amazing health benefits that nootropics and adoptogens have if you are interested in trying they come in a box of 15 and i highly highly recommend just give it a try so you can get 20% off your purchase with the code fulfill at magicmind.co slash fulfill. Again, that is 20% off your purchase with the code fulfill at magicmind.co slash fulfill. Okay, so third lesson. This one is specifically romance and romantic relationship oriented, but I wrote down here, it does not take long to know when something is special with someone. So I want to preface, obviously, I'm only just recently turned 26 and I'm not saying I have extremely a lot of romantic experience, but for those of you who are new, I'll put this into context. I've been in two relationships in my life now, or I guess we could say like two serious ones per se and one of them was for four years so this was my first relationship this was uh, in college and that one in particular was about you know somewhere between three and a half and four years and in that period I actually lived with this partner and had a dog with this guy so like that was one year together like we we had that and you know at the age of 22 I was no longer with him um that kind of you know that chapter ended and I moved on with my life and went on to my post-grad life was working full-time in my first job all that fun stuff and from 22 to 25 I was primarily single with various like two to four month or actually I think the longest one was like six months of of basically a fling or someone that you're seeing and dating and like you're primarily it's like just that person but like you're not in a relationship with them yeah I know it's for those of you who are in Europe you might find that odd because um I do have a lot of friends in different parts of Europe that think it's kind of funny how in America we have this thing where we have to have a conversation to be specifically exclusive with someone because in America people do have a tendency to maybe date multiple people more and that is kind of like the culture here and then only until you have a conversation where you're like okay we're exclusive you know you you just never know uh, where things could be whereas um you know I had this run-in with people I've dated who are from Europe as well as just having conversations with uh, people in Europe where if there's clearly something special going on or if you're like you know dating like that kind of thing they're usually like there's no conversation needed apparently about being exclusive you just know like you're dating one another but with that being said, it might be like a longer dating process where like, um, you know, you don't go from dating to exclusive to relationship. It just might be like dating for, I don't know, six months and then you actually uh, fall into a relationship type of thing. Um, whereas maybe in America, it's like dating 
exclusive than relationships. So anyways, I share all of that because, um, you know, I've, I've had enough, a little bit of everything, basically, like the single life, the fling life, the, the relationship life. Um, I've had a bit of everything where in reflection of all that, I can certainly say that it is pretty evident off the bat when there is something significantly special with someone to the point where you just don't have eyes for anyone else and it just naturally feels like that you you don't even need to force yourself to go that way that's just how you feel and funny enough I I say this as I think about this one um, Instagram reel I came across yesterday where it's basically this guy doing a stitch where a girl was saying how she thinks most guys can figure out if he wants to make you his girlfriend within one to two months and then this guy who I think his account is like I don't know maybe more on the male psychology and relationships stuff like that he actually was like actually uh you know funny enough I would say it takes 15 minute tops and then he goes on this whole rant about like how men just know and uh, my friend Elia has actually said something pretty similarly like they know right off the bat whether they want to like date you or not and sure there might be like the the usual courting process and like the dating like second third fourth date but um you know usually by second date like they already know if they want to like you know have something more realistic with you like a committed relationship and so I felt that with my most recent partner and um you know vice versa he felt that with me as well and I think what's interesting is I tend to be a bit more rational and logical and so I remember when I had a close friend of mine say something like this about a guy she met three years ago, which by the way, she's still dating to this day and she lives with him and whatnot. She told me from the second she met him, she's like, I think I'm going to marry this guy. And I remember back then I was, how old was I? I was probably like 23. I was like, okay, girl, you know, that's cute, but relax. Like that's not practical. You only met him one time. How would you know all these things? Right. And it's funny because this same friend, she, she was dating a bit older back in the day too. And I remember I also judged that like, you know, when I say older, I'm talking like maybe a 10 year age gap. Like, you know, like again, there's different ranges, different preferences. Right. So I know some people still at the age of 25, 26 would have trouble dating someone, you know, like over, eight years um but I just remember once I had that experience myself I was like oh okay I see how it can work so lo and behold this same thing happened where when I had this experience with my most recent love it was very obvious to me when I met him in fact um he actually went away for two months on a winter trip this was a year ago and obviously we didn't see each other for two months and barely had any talking because he was actually on a boat for two months um, out in Alaska and which I find fascinating and really cool. But I remember um, like literally after the weekend I had met him, I wrote in my journal something along the lines of, you know, like it felt at home it felt like he was kind of like already my boyfriend it just there was like a comfort level and something so distinct about our connection and our energy that was it was like you could mutually feel it you could mutually see it and even this guy who I met through a mutual friend of mine one of his friends and in his friend group even came up to me like that night and was like 
like what the hell is happening with you guys like there's something like you guys just like fucking clicked like you know like what's up with that like it's crazy um so I guess it was even seen on an external level and you know when he came back after being away for two months like our energy returned as normal like nothing changed and yeah that was just my first time experiencing something like that where I was like oh wow that's legit right and again there's that saying where people go you know when you know and I feel like this was definitely one of those experiences and so I guess moving forward though it goes I guess it makes it even harder to ever even have the desire to kind of stick around with someone where you know like there's something like it's not it but you're just doing it maybe because you like the validation or you like the attention or you just like, I don't know, fulfilling the boredom and you're like, yeah, I'll just go out with you. Who cares, right? Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but I've also had that from 22 to 25. And then in the past year was dating someone. And then now it's kind of like, okay, you've, you really, like your most recent experience is, is this feeling, right? So it's kind of hard to go back to something else. Um, I'm going to be honest, but... All that to say, you guys, mainly that if you are still guessing after a second interaction with someone, like whether you want to continue something or if there's if, if it's going to go somewhere, I'm going to be honest, um, <laughs> you might want to reconsider why you are maintaining it. Now, if you were 22, 23, and you were genuinely there with the intention of I'm just having fun and you know, like, yeah, this is probably just for like my early 20s stories of fun, then by all means, go for it, okay? Because I do think everyone needs a little bit of that at some point in in their life if you have the opportunity to. But if you get to a point where, again, speaking for myself, where you prefer something with more intention, you value your energy, you don't really have the, the capacity to just kind of jump around, date around, and, and you know, do whatever then definitely don't give a, you know, second or third interaction with someone that you know you are speculating whether you even want to. You know what I mean? So it really depends on what chapter you are at in life. Um, but, you know, again, I'm I'm barely 26. I'm not looking to get married in the next few years. Personally, I'm not. Like, it's not like a intention or a desire, but it's also not something I'm against. Okay, um, so it's it's a sweet spot where I'm not in a internal rush whatsoever, but because of just the nature of who I am, uh, the chapter of life I'm in, um, I personally can't imagine just like dating around for shits and giggles at this point, just because I don't know, maybe I've I've had a substantial amount of that already uh, <laughs> in my life. So, yeah. Okay, so moving on to the fourth lesson, I have here, your instincts can say a lot, but always counter it with some rational thinking and find the middle ground. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So I want to say this is coming from someone that tends to skew more on the logic side, maybe like 60% of the time logic, 40% emotion, intuition, however you want to, you know, frame it. I would say in most cases, especially when you are dealing in an interpersonal dynamic, a human to human, your instincts are more likely right But I want to say before you fully bet on your instincts, basically, really try to find an objective, quote unquote, objective um, perspective where maybe you're asking a few external opinions where it's, you know, not so mixed in with what you think so far, Um, really trying to play devil's advocate for yourself because There are plenty of times where you can get the best of yourself or shoot yourself in the foot if you believe too much in your instincts as well as the logic, right? So for me, for example, there's been recent times where rationally and logically it makes sense to do like a specific action. But ironically, when I really try to go forward with this like specific thing that I think I'm supposed to do, something seems to be blocking me. Like intuitively, just like the body reaction, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel complete. Like it's just something feels off about it. It's like the same thing with energy. When someone walks into the room or you, you initially meet someone, you can't put your finger on it. There's there's nothing rational to it, but there's just something that feels off about the person. You know what I mean? Uh, so I'm not saying like that's like the prime example, but I'm just pointing out like those are times where you can trust your instinct, right? There probably is something to it, but also like uh, maybe counter it over time. Like try to prove yourself wrong first, right? And then um, you'll you'll kind of see that play out over time. And I think what's interesting is, and especially times where your instincts are one way, but then some people on the outside, like let's say your friends or your colleagues, they disagree with you and they think you should do the other thing, but you still intuitively or your instincts are like, mm-hmm, but like this feels more aligned with me. My personal best approach is to keep going through the process and the time of life and just see for yourself. And I think this definitely helps with age and and life experience where the more experience you have with listening to yourself and learning how accurate you've been from your past experience, I think this can also usually help you turn down the external noise so that's probably my experience where in past early 20s I was making decisions and doing things that my friends or my family thought didn't make sense at all I can think like number one getting back into a relationship with my ex-boyfriend from college we had eight months broken off together and like there was actually quite a few different things that he 
you know, did or didn't do that a lot of friends were like, yo, this guy's like not great, blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't like towards me. It was just maybe like um, a level of standard of like knowing how to be, you know, showing up, whatever that looked like. And I think I was able to give him grace for it and have a bit of understanding and um, ultimately made me feel like it was worth having a relationship again uh, because my instincts felt like that was the case. And it just really felt like, a chapter that hasn't finished and um you know it proved to be right and I didn't regret it and you know obviously it's a little hard for friends from the outside where where they you know love you and they want the best for you and they think you're making a you know maybe wrong decision but ultimately you you don't really ever know until you go through with it right so maybe for me in that example it's like I could have learned from it maybe that was a wrong decision or in my actual case it was like okay great. I'm glad I trusted my instincts. I'm glad I went through with it. I'm glad we had a chance to continue our relationship and pick it back off in a more fresh and new, new, unique way. And that's that. I think uh, other times too, where my instincts, this is a big one where logic did not make sense. I moved from Orange County to Los Angeles in California, which is about 45 minutes apart for those of you who are not familiar with kind of like where Orange County is. But there was zero reason for me to move to LA, like zero, okay? Um, but, you know, I, I might have alluded in, in like way old episodes, but there was someone that I was kind of dating um, and someone that I just really, really felt an emotional connection with um, and probably the only person besides my most recent partner that I had a strong emotional connection with since my college boyfriends so you know um just to kind of paint the picture this person inspired me in so many different ways and definitely had a big influence on my intrigue and interest to move to LA specifically Venice he didn't live in Venice but I felt like that was the best area for me and I basically decided it in less than a month's time where I, it was like early August, I went to look at apartments and I remember like the day before I went to go look at apartments and drive up to LA, I told my dad, I'm like, yeah, I'm considering moving to LA. And he's like, what? This is so out of the blue, right? Because, you know, like I had no reason to, my my job, this was during the pandemic mid-2020 and my job, I was still remote. So, you know, it's like, what if you go back to like the office? And I just knew that that wasn't going to be the case. And um, I don't know, I just I just felt something inside me that was like, you need to move there. It is time, your time in Orange County, Irvine, Newport Beach, that time is done. It's time to move on. So um, I went and looked at apartments. I found the one I liked. I knew that was the one. It was a little more expensive for me, actually. It was actually a little bit out of my budget, but I was like, okay, this is a motivator for me to um, more or less work harder to find a means to make it work. And I signed the lease within a week and put in my 30-day notice for my current apartment, and I moved up there in less than a month. So that was a very fast process. Once again, no real reason to move up there except the fact that Emily's gut instinct was like, you gotta go there. And I have to say, you guys, I remember like a few months in, I was like, damn, 
I wish I moved here sooner. Like, I wish I moved here after college. And, you know, I don't think I actually regretted it, though, because I, like, if I moved there after college, I wouldn't have met the guys that became my best friends who were my old co-workers, and I still have a tight relationship with them, and, you know, all the things that happened. So I don't regret it, per se, but I do see, you know, how staying in Orange County would have been more of the mistake and more of the regret for sure. So so all that to say, um, I really apply this single player game theory, I guess we call, from uh, Naval. And he says something along the lines of, you know, like it's a single player game. You're the only one playing in this world. And, um, you know, you really just got to make the best decisions for yourself. And I apply that in a way where Life doesn't have to make sense to anyone but you. So whatever you ultimately decide to do in your life, whether that's moving to a new place, switching jobs, switching career trajectories, um, you know, staying in a relationship with someone, not staying in a relationship with someone, having certain friends, whatever that looks like, as long as it makes sense to you, okay, you are the one that goes to sleep at night, you know, with yourself. So you have to be at peace with your decisions. You have to be at peace with your own values and and your own outlook on life. And if you're not, then that's your opportunity to shift some of that. But if you are, and it's only outside people making judgment or trying to tell you otherwise, then that's on them, not on you. Okay, number five, this is something I learned from my psychologist, someone that I work with. And mind you, I, you guys, in case you guys are wondering why I say psychologist, it's because it's really hard to think of him as a therapist because he really breaks things down in a scientific, psychological manner. And it's almost like I come in and I'll talk about certain things and he helps break it down in a more uh, scientific way, to be honest. And I personally like that approach because that's just how I understand myself better. That's how I understand why we do certain things as humans in terms of like patterns and behaviors and all of that. And so one thing that he told me a while ago, he said something along the lines of people often give advice to soothe their own anxiety. And also he said this is why he doesn't actually give specific advice because, you know, like that's why. And I thought about it and I, and I realized I think there's a lot of truth to that because I can think of some people in my life who have either tried to give me certain advice or when I was speaking about something going on in my life, they they would relate it to a past ex- experience or example they had. And in reflecting on it, I realized that the advice that they were giving me or maybe trying to give me was heavily framed from once again their own lens and their own bias in kind of like what happened in their own experience right so first of all you can't blame people for that because that's just how we are most of the time um, with kind of like that confirmation bias but then also what you kind of see there is that they're basically yeah really trying to soothe their own anxiety from their past and kind of how they were feeling and and i think sometimes too um, almost trying to put themselves in your shoes too much especially when they once had that experience right so i share that because in having this realization when anyone asks me what my advice is 
I remember specifically an example back in like December, I think um, this girl who was like relationship related, she asked me what my advice was. And I was like, well, I want to preface. I don't have advice to give, but I'll share thoughts and, you know, really hope that you can kind of like play with it in your mind, like based on your own preferences and beliefs, as well as the other external opinions you're getting and really utilize those to make your own best decision. And so what I tell my friends and peers is that here are my thoughts, here are my feedback, but also I'm going to support you and do my best to not judge on what you decide to do because at the end of the day, it is your life. It only has to make sense to you. And I think the best thing we can do, um, especially from a friend-to-friend connection, is to just support them in their decision process and just be there for them and not be upset if they don't take your advice or if they don't see your viewpoint because, like, like you know, who, who are you to say, like, you're 100% right, you know? That's the thing with life, too, that it is primarily always in the gray. Uh, something that worked for someone else, again, especially when it's not, like, finance where it can be measured with data this is primarily when it's dealing with people and connections and and relationships and things that that happen really on an everyday basis there is so much gray in that because in some instances you can actually measure where a particular approach worked but then another particular approach didn't work or maybe it, it worked as well right so you can kind of see like there's not ever really one size fits all. I think hopefully most people actually know this, but but I will say that if you take time to just sit back and observe why people say what they say when it comes to giving advice or giving thoughts, you'll notice, uh, especially when it's people who love giving advice, you'll notice that more often than not, they're really saying it in a way that helps soothe their own past or their own anxiety, especially if it's something that they are presently dealing with. Okay, last but not least, this is a bonus one and it's something that I actually shared in last year's birthday episode because it has been a huge help for me in my life, especially as someone that sometimes has a tendency to overthink and that is carpe diem seize the moment. I took this approach when I heard from the founder of Tom's, T-O-M-S, like the shoes in case anyone um, remembers, and he mentioned how he lost a best friend around the age of 18 or so from a uh, like flight accident. And ever since then, it really shifted his world, it changed his perspective, you know, the, the grieving process, losing someone so close to you, especially at that age. Um, and he realized that you know, more or less, he was shaken shaken in a way that life is short, right? So he often signs his emails instead of saying thank you or best regards, he just signs it as carpe diem. And I looked into this and reflected on it myself and realized like, damn, you know, that, that really hits home for me because I often look outside, by the way, not to get too dark, but, you know, I often look outside my window and I see the One World Trade Center. And a while ago, someone asked me, what's my favorite building in New York? And my first instinct was One World Trade Center. And they said, why? I said, well, I look outside my room every day and I see it. And it reminds me of all the people that wish they could be in my position today, just being alive, 
being able to live on this earth, to be able to say I love you to someone again, to be loved, to see loved ones grow up, all of that amazing things, all of the amazing things that happen in this life. And so as an overthinker, it reminds me all the time, carpe diem, that life is too goddamn short. Don't wait too long to take action or send the text to someone you are thinking about because why wait, right? There, you know, I, I'm reminded every day like there's someone that wished they had the second opportunity to do what I get to do today. And in a way, it, it has provided me somewhat like as partial purpose in that sense is like to, you know, if I'm not going to live for myself, like to to recognize, like do this as a gift to someone that wished they had that chance, you know? And so I take this in all areas of my life where, you know, I, I go out on my own. I don't wait for other people to come with me, especially if it's a time where like I want to go see an artist, but uh, no friends are down to go. I'll still go anyways, but obviously usually probably prefer like at least a, a girlfriend to enjoy it with or whoever. Life is short, you know, you just got to seize the moment because you really never know when it could be your last. And I think it's important to acknowledge that and and live with that understanding and feeling every single day. And I'll leave it with this quote from Steve Jobs, one that I really, really love and apply in my life also on a daily basis. It's that remembering that you're going to die is the best way I know to avoid the trap of thinking you have something to lose. You are already naked. There is no reason to not follow your heart. And that was all for today's episode, highlighting some of the important lessons I've learned in my 26 years of living and reflecting on some of those big lessons, especially in the past few years. If this was helpful in any way, please be sure to let me know. Send me a DM on Instagram or share this episode and tag the podcast Instagram at what fulfills you. I really enjoy interacting with you guys, so please don't hesitate to reach out and say hi. If you're interested in the merch, you can find the best-selling card game, journal, hoodie, at whatfulfillsyou.com and 10% off with the code whatfulfillsyou10. Again, all that is linked in the show notes. And as always, thanks again for tuning in. I will chat with you all next week. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.